everybody, it's Emily here, and I just wanted to jump on for a quick post-Labor Day episode. I'm actually recording this just a little before, and this is going to be a shorter episode than usual and kind of a monologue from me, uh, just a collection of thoughts and conversations that I've had recently with a lot of friends and near strangers, acquaintances that have been reaching out to me on social media. And the first thing I would like to say about that is I am consistently and constantly grateful for the ways that God allows me to encourage and spur on and create relationships and have conversations sometimes that are hard that always inspire growth amongst those that are participating, myself included. So our podcast is called Healthy Discourse because conversations matter. And I'm so excited about the many opportunities I've had lately to engage in conversation about lots of different topics, everything from how to stand up for children to talking about um, biblical unity to talking about marriage and that crazy word of submission that as women we push back on so much and we did a whole episode about that a while back but had a, an acquaintance reach out to me to just to talk and and mesh through some concerns and questions that she had and we actually got to meet for lunch and develop a budding friendship and talk through some of these things and that is what we are designed to do We are designed to be in community and in conversation. And if there's anything that we can encourage here at Healthy Discourse, it is just that. Find people that don't necessarily agree with you on every last little thing and be willing to be open to have respectful conversation around the issues that matter, even when your opinions perhaps are unpopular. And so what I wanted to talk about today is being engaged and involved in the public square. What I find is many of the people that I'm close with and people that would identify as conservative, conservative Christians, we always say that we're Christians first and conservatives second. What does that even mean to be a conservative, those kinds of conversations? But what I find is I with the the work that we've been doing over the past couple of years and the willingness to step out and dip our toe into what does this actually mean to engage in the public square and to talk about policy and to lock arms with other, in our case, medical providers and um, go completely against the grain of what is, quote, accepted. It's been challenging. It's been eye-opening and looking underneath the or looking behind the curtain just a little bit that I've been able to has opened my eyes to so many different things that it can feel incredibly overwhelming. And I think that as Christians and conservatives, we what we would like to do is raise our families and do the things that we want to do and for everyone to leave us alone and allow us to do that. And that's kind of what happened for the last several decades that worked to some degree. And that kind of was what most people did. We, we have our, our, our communities, we have our church communities, we have our school communities, we have our fill-in-the-blank community of people, and 
um, where sure we're engaging, we're not just like stepping away from culture necessarily, but kind of just wanted to be left alone and, and to leave everyone else alone. And in some ways that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of that libertarian mindset. And um, when everyone's taking personal responsibility, it works out okay. But what we found is while we've been raising our families, going to work, you know, building a life for ourselves, that so many things have infiltrated what used to be these sacred, protected institutions like our school systems and our churches and so much else of the public sphere that in some ways it's become unrecognizable. And I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of years that my jaw has literally hit the ground with things that have become policy in these institutions. And my question is often, how can this happen? Especially because it seems like our children are the are, are, are the um, victims of whatever these policies might be. Everything from universal masking in schools and shutting schools down and now um, pushing parents' decision-making out of everything within medicine and the, the, the umbrella of mental health and making choices for our children with what the, the curriculum is that they're hearing in schools, the pushing of parents out of every institution is incredibly concerning. And it's gone so far now that it's almost like, well, what can we do about it? And that is the question that I think so many people have. And that, and there's so much overwhelm around, there are so many things. And because we like to be respectful, and we don't like to make a ruckus, and we just want everyone to get along It can be really difficult to say, no, we're not doing this anymore, and to go against the grain and to stand up and have a voice that's different. And hear me, please. I am a firm believer that every conversation, no matter how how much there might be opposing forces and how heated the topic might be, that there is always a place for respectful discourse and name calling and screaming and yelling and acting like children never accomplishes anything. And we need to seek to understand those that oppose us for sure and how we got to where we are and to try to seek common ground as much as possible always. That's not always possible, but the respect part is. So please hear me. I am not saying to stand and shout and scream and stomp your feet because that is not productive and it also is disrespectful and it's not what God's word calls us to do. We can have engaging, productive conversations with those who live around us, with those who are leaders in the institutions that I mentioned, with like-minded friends as we encourage and spur one another on. I know there have been so many new grassroots, I don't even like that term because it kind of sounds like it's kind of like strange or those are that's like a weird thing I don't want it to sound that way it shouldn't but a lot of new um, collections of people of parents of of women of men of dads of moms who have collected um, collaborated together to say we're not going to do this like this anymore we've got to be able to take a stand in the public square and 
I think that we have kind of gotten so used to just assuming that the government and the powers that be are mostly good and are mostly going to do good things and have our best interests in mind. And I've, I felt that way. I want to still feel that way for most of my life. But in the past several years, I've just not seen anything to back that up. What I see is money, power, and influence infiltrating pretty much every institution that we that we discussed earlier, or at least trying to. And the tentacles of the money is tied to the, the policy is infiltrating everything so that the big government at our state levels, at our federal level, levels, has come down into our little tiny rural school and it's like what happened well that's exactly what happened and how it happened was that we assumed the best and sat out for a long time and so my encouragement today is to get involved and I know it can feel really overwhelming as far as how to get involved and I think so many people look at two ends of the spectrum it's either okay well I just need to vote for the right people and I'm voting is very important and we should always be looking at the issues specifically. And if there's anything I've realized over the last couple of years, it's how ill informed we are as an electorate. And if it is our responsibility and we have seen definitely over the past couple of years how important it is that we have the right people and the right positions that represent our values then we, we, we've seen that. We've seen the power of state and local government, all of the, of the things we usually just don't even pay attention to. We've seen how powerful those positions are. Our state legislators, state legislatures, our city council members, and above all things are judges. So it is our responsibility to be an informed electorate, and voting does matter a lot. So one thing you can do is help the candidates that align with your values and step in and and just be there for them. Be a resource, door knock if you have to, um, donate if that's your thing. There's so many different ways to be involved, but it is so important to be informed. Yes, go vote, absolutely, but be an informed voter and be willing to have the conversations with people that maybe just kind of, this is what I always do, a certain way, be willing to have those conversations to say, well, you tell me that you stand for this. Tell me what policy this person, why, how, how does this person's policy stance or size of government stance or whatever it might be, the, how does that align with your values? And oftentimes you'll find it doesn't because all that we know about as an electorate are the commercials that we see on TV and the names that we recognize the most. And so it's incredibly important to be an informed electorate and yes to vote. But on the other side of that spectrum is running for office. And I have some really dear friends who are running for office. But the truth is we need to do a lot more that falls right in the middle of that. I, certainly there's only a few people that are called to run for office. We should all be informed voters and we should all participate every single election cycle we have the right to vote we are so blessed in our country to actually have a government where the citizens are in charge our our elected officials we are the boss of them essentially in a democratic republic so 
We need to vote, yes. And only those few people are going to run for office. And there's so much in between. And I'm, I'm sounding a very political in this, but that's not what I mean to do. But the truth is, conservatives, Christians have wanted to stay out of politics for so long, and that's how we got here. And the truth is, everything has become political. I don't like it. You probably don't like it. But that's just how it is. And so the question becomes, how can we best engage in this without creating tons of division and that sort of thing? And my encouragement is this. What are your passions? What are your skills that God gave you? What are your gifts? What breaks your heart at night? Or where do you see things going in the world that you are simply not okay with sitting down and being okay with? And how can you use the gifts and the skills that you have in order to engage in that sphere. So that could be getting more involved in the public schools and volunteering, or if you're a man, for sure, stepping in and helping to mentor fatherless boys, because we know that's a significant problem. It could be, um, again, that you go and read to kids because kids are way behind in school. That doesn't necessarily align with you know, this whole bigger picture, but it does. We need people to be literate in order to have a functioning society. It could be digging really deep into the issues and being really gifted with that and making sure people are aware of what is really happening. My guest last week, Sarah Absher, is incredibly gifted at that. She just digs. It's like the peeling of an onion and she finds the root and finds who gets paid for what and what organization and that sort of thing. Digging into the data, presenting the data well. Our dear friend, Dr. Peter McCullough, the reason why he is still not banned from Twitter and Instagram and everything else, thankfully, is because he just dishes out the data. He, it's the facts. It's the data. And you can do with it what you want to do. So if you're a data person about any of these things, by all means, research the data and help us to better understand we need more gifted writers. If you're a good writer, volunteer for anybody to say, let me help put all of this this issue or your stance on it in writing or help to refine a message. If you are um, if you are passionate about policy, then go talk to your legislators. Go talk to them. Express your views. Don't yell at them. They don't need to be yelled at. I've watched so many people yell at legislators. Why? Nobody's going to listen to you if you yell at them. Engage at the school board level. Do uh, community service with a women's group or your church or a men's group. We talked about mentoring boys before. Just get involved. We've got to get back involved in our communities and understand the issues and the ways that people are hurting and the things that are helping them and the things that are hurting them because there's oftentimes so much disconnect between the theories that we have that are going to fix the problem and even identifying what the problem is and how that whatever particular sector, what they actually need and what actually helps them because there's so much trickling down that just doesn't make sense as far as that, you know, this is how we treat the problem. Sarah, last week, this, the new codes of conduct in school, that's a perfect example that um, we just don't hold kids accountable for their actions anymore. That somehow that's going to reduce the number of men in prison someday. That makes, that doesn't make any sense. And I think when you dig into it just a little bit, we know it. 
So we have to discuss this and we have to be willing to take a stand and be willing to be canceled in some ways. And we don't, but again, as long as we are respectful, as long as we actually know what we're talking about, as long as we can find the the roots of the issues and we can speak about facts, we can have conversations that make sense. And as I was mentioning earlier, the children are the victims in so much of these failed policies of the fear tactics, the culture of safety. We've talked about that on the podcast before. The, um, the fear that has been put on them, the responsibility that they felt throughout COVID. And now the, the way that um, we have eroded parents' rights, the way that we are now requiring children in K through five schools to affirm the genders of their teachers. We are taking away the ability to be children, the over-sexualization of everything that starts earlier and earlier and earlier. We are eroding the experience of childhood and it doesn't have a good, bright future for our kids. And I wanted to finish today with, um, this is a psalm that my small group studied last week and we dug into this very deeply. And in times like this, when things are so crazy, diving into the Psalms and really coming back to God's word. And, and, you know, we ask this question, so why do we, why do we continue to engage in scripture? Well, because, because the world pulls us away from it all the day long. And so we have to be pulled back into being, remembering who God is, who Jesus is, what he did for us and who we are because of what he did. And so we have his word just to do that, to pull us back because we're pulled away constantly. And I talk to my children about this on a regular basis and, you know, why we need to engage in God's word, what the importance is, um, what, how we can disseminate truth and where we find that because we live in a world that, you know, it's your truth, my truth, which is an oxymoron if truth is truth, right? So I just want to finish with reading Psalm 127. And I encourage you just to spend some time in it and think about it Whether you are a parent, you're a grandparent, you're a citizen who wants the best for the next generation, there are so many ways to engage and be involved. And so I'll read this and just give you a couple of thoughts that we have. So 127, Psalm 127, written by Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are a heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. And just a few thoughts as we finish. First of all, everything that I mentioned earlier all has to be done with an incredible amount of prayer and focus and humility and pulling back into the fruits of the spirit, putting on that armor every single day that only Jesus provides. 
when the Lord builds that, unless the Lord builds the house, it's built, it's builders labor in vain. Again, we can fight and scream and act like crazy people, even for what we think is the quote, right thing to do, but that's not God honoring. And ultimately it will be a fruitless effort. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. So this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, building the house. That's the family watching over the city. That's our communities. We don't want our communities to go down in vain because we have just stepped out. We're not doing anything anymore. We're just in our houses trying to protect our families from culture. That might work for a little bit, but it's not a long-term solution, and it's not an act of faith that God calls us to. Then he goes, Then the, the psalmist goes on to say, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Too often we toil. We do sometimes even the right things with, with the wrong heart posture. I pray that we can engage in the world with the correct heart posture. That we can trust in everything that we do. That God will call us and lead us even when it's hard and even when we're scared to death. That it's worth it to stand for the things that he calls us to. Because that is where we find our true rest, as this psalm clarifies. And then it moves on to the second part, talking about children being a heritage from the Lord. We cannot sit back and let the world take over the, the youth of our children. It has gone way too far, and it is just rapidly snowballing into something that no parent should be okay with. We have got to stand and protect the youth of our children. And I'm not talking about all this physical safety thing all the time and the mask and the, the lawn mowering. We've talked about that. It's not what I'm talking about. Our kids should be able to take risks and they should be able to fail for sure. That's how they grow. That's how they mature. That's how they figure out life. That's how we help to discipline them when they're still under our roof so that when they go out that they've already learned those hard lessons. So not talking about quote safety, but the protection of their childhood has got, we've got to do better. We've got to demand differently for our kids. Because like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Our children, we have a great responsibility to them and we need to be warriors for them. It is our job to be warriors for them. It is not the school's job. It is not the youth group's job. It is not the Sunday school's job. It is not the community leader's job. It is certainly not the White House's job to raise our children. It is our job. And we have to be those warriors taking the responsibility to raise them well, to not be lazy ourselves, to not be disengaged because everything is so hard. And to do the hard work (laughs) We have to have conversations with our kids now way younger than we ever would like to. I don't really like having to teach my eight, my nine year old about abortion or what it means to be transgender, but I have to do it first and I have to do it in a way that points them to Christ so that we, I, that that is their voice of reason. I learned a few years ago that the person that introduces a topic to a child becomes their trusted resource. So if we don't do it first, somebody else is going to. I don't like that I have to do that, but I do. 
And I can be a warrior even in doing that and helping to frame it in God's word and their need for Jesus and my need for Jesus and all of our need for Jesus and how far away as a culture we're going from him. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Those children are a blessing. Big families are a blessing. We're not weird. (laughs) They're a blessing. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. So think about how this grows. We've got in the beginning of this psalm, a family that moves into the city that then talks about the children and the raising of them and the strength that comes when we all stand at that gate together. Because in our community, when we are willing to be the warriors and stand strong and firm And yes, be respectful and be loving. And I'm certainly not talking about being ugly and throwing harsh words at people at all. That's not it. We have the opportunity to impact the future and to push back against the forces of evil that are inevitably eroding every force of our culture. And on this side of eternity, it is not going to be perfect. And we certainly cannot legislate morality or any of those types of things. But what we can do is do what we can do and not sit back and just say, well, I don't know. It's too late now. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just going to stay in my house and watch Netflix because I don't know what to do. My encouragement today is just to engage and do something. Use your passions. Use your gifts and your skills and and the the um, uniqueness of the skills that the, that the Lord has given you to engage and get involved and do what you can do. There are so many places and ways that that can happen. And if you want to talk about it, you let me know because I'll help you figure it out. I'm always happy to do that. That's some of the best conversations I ever have. So I hope that this, that this leaves you with an encouragement to say, you know what? Yeah, I do. I need to, I need to do that thing I've been thinking about. I need to get involved in that. I need to have that hard conversation with my family member that I'm worried about. I need to be willing to be canceled because this matters too much, but do it in respect and in love. Thanks y'all for listening. Appreciate you. I hope you, um, my monologue kept your attention (laughs) and I look forward to catching up with you next time.